let's pray and we'll read 2 Corinthians 5, verse 21. Father, and look at creation as we have just sang. And I stand in awe. Father, I think of even this verse as we prepare to dive in. And I have no, I have no word, Lord, to even describe. Father, I ask that even now, as we gather here in your name, by the power of your spirit, with the focus of your word, that you will give us ears to hear. Father, that you will give us eyes to see. Father, I please beg you that you would overwhelm our hearts with the amazement of this massive truth. To your glory and to your praise. Amen. Verse 21. He made him who knew no sin to be sin on our behalf so that we might become the righteousness of God in him. Real straightforward. <laughs> Let me show you something. We've been going through this. And when I moved into Second Corinthians, I tried to explain to everybody the Second Corinthians is ministry. You take 1 Corinthians, okay, and 1 Corinthians, if you really look at it from a scriptural side, it has very, I mean, even the 15th chapter of 1 Corinthians, which is the resurrection, there's not any theology in it. It's basically the first six chapters is dealing with boneheads, the Corinthian church, and how their pride had raised up and had corrupted the church, even to the point of exercising spiritual gifts. Chapter 7, he cruises through and says, get these things worked out. Why? Because 2 Corinthians is coming, and that's ministry. If I don't have my personal life in order, and your biggest issue you're ever going to deal with is your pride. It ain't going to be my pride. It ain't going to be your spouse's pride or your children's pride. It's going to be your pride. You get that dealt with, and then you move into ministry. And 2 Corinthians is ministry. Chapter 3, he started out with the contrast between the Old Covenant and the New Covenant. One was the letter of the law, which was death. The other is Christ, which is life. That is the essence of... Of why, that is why when a Christian gets saved, he doesn't just automatically go to heaven. Because now we have a ministry. You cannot be saved this day and not be in the ministry. It's impossible. It's impossible. And, and yet we've managed to compartmentalize it. You know, the guy with the suit and tie, that's the minister. And I watch a lot of churches today, and what they do is, I need to get enough people in the seats so I can hire some ministers. And the truth of the matter is, if you're saved, you are. You are. And he says, I will contrast this, that I have the letter, but the spirit. We had the law. The law condemned us. There's nowhere in the Old Testament does it say keeping the law, you'll be saved. 
And yet I can summarize the Bible by Habakkuk 2 or Romans 1. The righteous shall live by faith. That's the Bible. Didn't know I could teach it that quick, did you? All right, but that's it in a nutshell. He moves on into four. He says, therefore, since we have this ministry, we receive mercy and we do not lose heart. Because he's going to tell you something. He goes through chapter 4 and he says, now that you're in the ministry, guess what? You're a target. You're a target. We renounce the hidden things. We're not walking in craftiness or adulterating the word of God. But by the manifestation of truth, commending ourselves to every man's conscience in the sight of God. That's amazing. It's We are in a society, in an age where I can say something and then I have to have a whole bunch of people explain to you what I just said. And we say, well, that's politics. No, that's everywhere you go. I listen to it in churches. The people say, but what did he mean by that? One of those of you uh, was a Sunday ago. I celebrated my 18th year. Okay, 18 years behind this pulpit. All right. And one of the things some of you have been with have endured for 18 years. You poor people, your reward is great in heaven. Okay. But you know that I say what I mean. There isn't. Well, I wonder if he really meant. No. And then you know what? That is an oddity today. But what did they really mean? I mean, really what I said. Why? I'm commending myself to every man's conscience. Okay? We don't walk in craftiness. Even if our gospel is veiled, it is veiled to those who are perishing. See, what you learn in the ministry is all you do is sow seed. There are too many in the ministry right now who think it's their responsibility to prune and to dig up the dirt and to do all of these other things. No, you just sow seeds. Whatever happens is God's fault. Okay? And you know what? I've shared the gospel with a, with a whole bunch of people and all I can say is that was for no apparent reason. Okay? We have a study that we do for new believers called Fundamentals of the Faith. And I remember when we first opened it up to start doing it. And it's basically just what you hear. But I heard people say, well, we need to change the title of it. Why? Because people don't like fundamentals. They like to have the foundations of the faith. I'm sitting there going, if you can't handle fundamentals, you've got a pride issue. And this book is going to whip you anyway. Okay? And what we learned was all these new Christians would get about four weeks into it and then they vanished. It was poof, they're gone. Why? They just didn't want to put the time into it. And, and I remember some of the people who were trying to teach it were becoming frustrated. Well, every time I said, but you got to look at it. Every time I teach this, somebody, they just disappear. And I said, well, <laughs> separating the wheat from the tares. <laughs> and, of course, there he goes again, just cutting it straight. But, you know, but wonder what he meant by that. There are some people who want to be Christians but can't. They ain't giving it up. Okay, and you know what? I can't call it. Okay, I can't go around and see if you've got a, an elect on your forehead or something. Okay, but if the life doesn't change, then it's 
It's evident. If it looks like the world, it walks like the world, it speaks like the world, guess what? It's a duck. <laughs> oh, that's a different saying. All right? It's easy. That's not hard to say. Now I get into trouble for that. Well, you're challenging my salvation. No, I'm challenging your life. You don't look saved. Why? Because people who are saved look saved. They talk saved. They act saved. I almost said they smell saved, but that's like... How do you know that? We are afflicted in every way, but we are not crushed. We are perplexed, but we are not despairing. We are persecuted, but we're not forsaken. We are struck down, but not destroyed. Always caring about the body, the dying of Jesus. Brothers and sisters, that's ministry. Chapter 5. We cruised right into it. And we know that if this earthly tent, which is our house, is torn down, we have a building from God, a house not made with hands, eternal in the heavens. Okay, that's now it takes my focus off of what I'm dealing with on a daily basis, that quote unquote grind. Okay, I, I mean, you see it, you have to deal with it. It's there, it's unrelenting, and it's over and over and over and over and over and over again. And then people start looking at you, it's like, well, you're a Bible thumper. That's all you do. You just talk about the Bible. You just, yep, that's it. In a nutshell. Why? Because that's the only thing that has eternal ramifications. I live in the temporal. I focus on the eternals. That's ministries, brothers and sisters. That's what it is all about. The old things have passed away. Behold, new things have come. Now, we looked at this in depth in verses 18 through 20. Now, all of these things are from God. And then five times he uses a form of this word who reconciled us to himself through Christ and gave us the ministry of reconciliation. Of reconciliation. Okay, now let me explain something to you. I'm going to be as gentle as I can. If you're doing something and calling it ministry, and it does not deal with reconciliation, you are either deceived or you're a deceiver. Got that? Because that's all I have to offer. As a Christian... I am begging and pleading people to be reconciled to God through Christ. People say, you guys sing all them old hymns. You ever heard the words you're singing? There's a reason. There's a reason. Too much of the quote unquote music we claim today as Christian music is man centered. Okay. I want God centered. I want to know who God is. And, and yet I hear people say, I have a music ministry that's man-centered. How in the world do you do that? How do you do that? We have a ministry of reconciliation. It has been given to each Christian from God. It has one pathway has to be through the person of Jesus Christ, the way God has described it. That's why I, I don't understand. I remember a guy one time asked me to come. He says, I, I want you to come and get my church to start bringing their Bibles. And I said, well, get them saved. And he says, what? I have 66 love letters from God that I cherish more than anything on this planet. 
hey, you know what? Nobody said, Terry, now you need to make sure you carry your Bible. Okay? No. It's simple. I, I just read it. Why? It's God to me. All right? So I, I want us to think about these things because you see the flow of this thing. And then we come to this verse 21. I want to, I want to explain some things that maybe you haven't thought about. The Bible is clear on a whole bunch of things. You understand that? And the one thing that I am absolutely positive of and with absolute no problem whatsoever, the Bible is so clear on this that all are sinners by nature. Okay? Everyone. The actions that you see that you and I classify as sin is because of our nature. What I'm trying to say is sinning is natural to us. Okay, I don't have to go to the school of sin. All right? It, it, let me ask you a question. Who taught your child to lie? You ever wondered? I have never known a child who doesn't lie. And I keep thinking, my child lied before kindergarten. Who taught them that? Well, it's because of their nature. Okay? The Bible says, all are born in sin. The Bible actually says, all are conceived in sin. Okay, do you understand? That means because of our nature, you're immediately separated from God. It isn't that I was born and was cruising along and then, oops, I sinned. No, the action is because of your nature and your nature is already separated from God. And one of the things that I see lacking today in the evangelical community is understanding the holiness of God. God, do you understand that God is so holy, he cannot look upon sin? That puts humanity in an extraordinarily desperate place. He can have absolutely no fellowship with sinners. You ever thought about that? Because he is so set apart, sinless perfection, just and righteous. So that separation, his nature and our nature, keeps us from even knowing him. He's perfectly holy. And because of his perfect holiness to sinners, all he can do is reject them. Okay, so because of this situation in time, that's what you and I are in right now. We are in time. We are in godlessness. In eternity, to be in hell. 
So I put a little note here. It says, that's a serious issue. Very serious issue. Think about it. How many people right now are living their lives without God? And you know what? You can look at it. When do they ever reach contentment? How easily is their hope crushed? How easily are they discouraged because their plans don't ever even come close? And yet the tragedy is when eternity steps in, they will spend eternity without God also. There will be no beauty. There will be no joy. There will be no peace for eternity. It's, you know, I heard an illustration about this and, and, and I was thinking about it and I, I, I thought about this for a bit. But if I look at it, have you ever heard of HIV? Did you know that it kills some people? Okay, and we're really knocking ourselves out to get a cure for it. But we still don't have a cure for it. We really want a cure for it because those who end up with this virus, those few, however many that is, will die. But do you know that sin is a virus that every single human being has and the fatality rate is 100%. 100%. The penalty of sin is death. Period. HIV will kill some. Sin will kill all. Sin affects all. It infects all. And it kills all. It kills in time. And sin kills in eternity. Sin kills physically. And sin kills Spiritually, there's no cure for HIV, but there is a cure for sin. God has made it possible for sinners to be cured. You ever thought about that? Dude, that's seriously massive. God has made a way... For the depravity of man to be reconciled to God with an eternal fellowship in his presence. Okay, now you know, depravity is one of my favorite Greek words. Okay, found useless for its intended purpose. I'm just sitting there going, yep, sign me up. And you know what? When I think about the ministry, that there is some serious, serious good news. A cure for sin virus. The hostility between God and man ends now and forever. I have peace with God. I have the peace of God. Sinners reconciled to a holy God. That's 18 to 20. 
That is what our ministry is. Why? There is this separation from humanity and God, and you and I have the message of the good news to be reconciled back to a holy creator. I can look at people and say, you don't have to live godlessly. You don't have to live godlessly now in time, and you don't have to live godlessly in eternity. There's no need to suffer through this life without God. If you suffer with, through this life without God, you will only suffer eternal torment without God in the life to come. Now, do you understand? What I'm trying to get at is, do you understand how massive of a problem this is? How then is reconciliation possible? How in the world do I take depravity and join them in absolute harmony with holiness? Godlessness and make it godly. Paul tells us how. We have been reconciled to him. It is our responsibility to proclaim reconciliation and to beg and to appeal to people to be reconciled to God. That's ministry, brothers and sisters. How can that be? How can that take place? Sinless, absolute, holy, perfect God, infinitely pure. How in the world can you ever reconcile one sinner back to that? Okay, now, I've shared this, and I'll be real brief with it. I know why. Okay? God so loved the world that he sent his son. Okay? That's why. Okay? The question is, how? How? How can he do that and he is too pure to look upon sin? Or fellowship with, use Paul's terminology, trespassers. How can God satisfy his just holy law which condemns sinners? You break any part of his law, you're guilty of the whole thing. And he doesn't plea bargain. Because if he plea bargains, then he's no longer just and righteous. This, it's, I watch Christians today believe, well, I'll just lower the level. No, you can't. You can't bring it down to, well, I can attain this if I bring it down to this. And then think about it. Jesus says, if you've had the thought, you're guilty of the sin. Well, jeez. He just ain't fair. And then I thought about that one time, and I thought, I don't really want fair. (laughs) I'm going to hang with the grace thing. Listen, His law which condemns sinners is fully and deserved punishment, and yet, how do you show mercy to those who deserve no mercy? 
How do I end a hostility and take a sinner into a holy heaven? How do you do that? How can a just, how, how can justice and grace both be satisfied? You guys see what you, leave me alone. These are the crazy things I sit and ask myself. How can I have love towards sinner and yet maintain righteousness? How, as Paul would say, can God be just and justifier? You know what? I remember years ago, some of you remember, I know Al does. Um, years, I mean, it's 20, probably 25, 26 years ago. I set out to find contradictions in Scripture. Because once I found a contradiction in Scripture... And then I can beat the Christians with it and they'll leave me alone. Okay? And as I tell people, still looking. <laughs> All right? There's many verses that I can show you that you just kind of stand in awe with and say, man did not write this. Okay? In verse 21, if you take it back to the original text, you'll find out that it's 15 Greek words. Just 15. 15 Greek words is what makes up what you have for verse 21. In 15 words, God solves how can I have mercy and wrath and have them come together? How can I have love and righteousness with sinner and depravity? In 15 words. That's pretty cool. I mean, I don't, you know, if you think about us, we get a little on the wordy side. You don't believe me? Listen to me. Okay, God said in 15 words, I'm going to do it in seven weeks. But it'll be 15 words in seven weeks. He defines and balances the mystery of reconciliation. There is love that God sent his only begotten son. And there is atonement. For those who have been reconciled into the heavenlies. That's the heart of good news. The heart of scripture. That's heart of ministry. And yet I believe that verse 21 possibly. Other than Habakkuk 2 and uh, Romans 1.15. On um, the righteous shall live by faith. This verse here is probably the most powerful truth in all of scripture. It explains how a sinner can be reconciled to God. And you know what? How do I resolve sin and maintain righteousness? Fifteen words, the mystery is solved. How a holy, just, perfectly loving God can satisfy His righteousness and mercy and yet unite holy or sinless, godless man. That's amazing to me. And it's a small, a very small sentence. And yet it is answering the single most profound question that can be asked. You know, I remember years ago, right after the, uh, it was probably about a year after the 9-11 event, and a guy wrote a book. And everybody was getting spiritual, remember it? Uh, maybe you don't. And the guy wrote the book, 
And the title was, Can God Bless America and Maintain His Integrity? Okay, it's a good read. It's a little disturbing, but still a good read. And, and, I, and I thought about it, and I thought, yeah, verse 21 says he can. But I'm not sure it would be, I will bless America, I will bless Christians who are in America. Okay, I, you've got a little outline there, and I'm just going to get started into it. Um, and you're going to see how this is going to take a while. My outline has four basic points in it. The giver, the gift, the recipients, and the reward. And I basically call this little verse, True Hope. Okay? And if you go back to the text, we'll start with it. And it says, he made. Stop right there. Okay? Who's he? Verse 20. Verse before it. Be reconciled to God. Okay? He did it. Okay? Now everybody's going to say, well, he's going to start sounding like a Calvinist in a minute. It's going to be worse than that. The point of the verse is, whose plan is it? God's plan. He is the giver. God is behind the whole plan of reconciliation. He designed it. He worked it out. He did his plan. Please let me express something. This is an extremely important part. There would be... Let me share with you how important this is. There would be no reconciliation unless God did it. Unless God empowered it and unless God applied it. He... He designed it and he executed the design. Oh, did I tell you? There is no other way. I think when I read that, just he made. Okay. It cannot come from any human source. None. There's nothing man can do. All of our efforts in every religious realm, to use Isaiah's term, is filthy rags. Do you want me to give the Hebrew definition of filthy rags? Minstrel cloths. My most righteous deeds. Really? Thanks for the picture, Isaiah. And let me tell you something. One of the things I've learned, I've, got, I've had the privilege to travel a, a lot of places on this planet. This world is full of religion. And all of it, apart from Christ, is man producing a plan aided by Satan that man can reconcile himself to God. It's impossible. It's impossible. Okay? And Satan keeps telling you, oh, no, work at it. You know, I've heard people, you ever heard, uh, they call it Satanism? 
Okay, and they do weird stuff with stars and things like that. And everybody keeps saying, that's Satan's religion. No, it ain't. Those people embarrass Satan. Okay, Satan's religion is humanism. Give me the problem and I'll solve it. Okay, what do you see in religion today? Do this, 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 and this. That is a fatal understanding. I had a very close, well, it was a close friend. not so much anymore. I haven't heard from her in a long time. She was involved in a horrific accident that killed a bunch of people. And it was her fault. And she went to prison, I think, was sentenced 60, 65 years or something like that. And she was, at the time, maybe 30. And, uh, and they threw the book at her. I mean, and don't get me wrong, I've... I would have too. Because, uh, I mean, some of the survivors in the car crash were crippled. Uh, there was a mother and two daughters were killed. And, and so, you know, I, I kind of understand it. And I remember talking to her. And her comment to me one time, and it's always stuck to me. She says, don't worry, Terry. I've made peace with God. And at the time, I thought, well, that's good. But there's more I think about it is that ain't the issue. Has God made peace with you? Because man doesn't have any part in it at all. Do you understand that? Let me give you a text. Had a Russian pastor throw a book at me once when I read this. Problem is. I didn't write this. Romans chapter 3, verse 10. As it is written. Got that? As it is written. There is none righteous. Not even one. Just in case you thought you might have made it. There is none righteous. Not even one. There is none who understands. There is none who seeks For God. Now let me tell you something. If you're sitting in that canoe right there. You ain't got no hope. You're not seeking God. And I had a Russian. I've always sought God. And I said, well, just mark that out of your Bible. Okay. And he understood. He threw a book at me. (laughs) Just act like it ain't in there. It says none seek after God. Okay. There are none righteous. I mean, it goes on. I mean, it gets even worse than that. All have turned aside. Together they have become useless. There is none who does good. There is not even one. Their throat is an open grave. With their tongues they keep deceiving. The poison of asps is under their lips. Whose mouth is full of cursing and bitterness. Their feet are swift to shed blood. Destruction and misery are their paths. And the path of peace they have not known. There is no fear of God before their eyes. Now I hate to break the news to you people. That's a desperate place. That is godlessness. None. Okay, you got to get that down there. You know what that means? None. Okay, well, but you know, no, not one. Okay, 
You think if anyone could put up with a plan to pull off reconciling themselves to God, it'd be the Jews. I mean, those are people of Yahweh. They're the nation of Yahweh. They have the word of God. They have been re- he has revealed himself personally to them. Salvation was first to the Jews. Of the Jews came Messiah. If anyone could come up with a system to achieve reconciliation, it would be the Jews. Except my Brethren, my heart's desire and my prayer to God for them is for their salvation, Paul says in Romans 10. For I testify about them, they have a zeal for God, but not in accordance with knowledge. For Now here's what happens. Every time it's all around you right now. For not knowing about God's righteousness and seeking to establish their own. Hmm. They did not subject themselves to the righteousness of God. Okay? You know what that means, right? Salvation, you can't achieve. They thought somehow this reconciliation depended on them. And they're not saved. Paul prays. I pray for their salvation. Listen, it is all around you. And it is what I call the religions of human achievement. And yet it can only be accomplished one way. And that is God reaches out to sinners. Okay, I don't care what you call the religion. I don't care what you call the system or the methodology. If God does not reach to him, it don't happen. Because man will make his own standard of righteousness. So it's no good for sinners to reach to God. It's an interesting concept in light of what most of us have been exposed to over our lives in the church. I have decided to follow Jesus. Really? Not according to Scripture. Not according to Scriptures. It says God rejects us all together in the first place. You know, I've heard people try to... They, they want to battle the doctrine of election, by the way, which is biblical. Um, and foreknowledge and weird stuff like that. And we don't want to hear it anymore and, 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 and I hear this on a regular basis. And it says, well, if you believe in the doctrine of election, then that means that God has predetermined some to damnation. And I said, well, no, no, that's not what the Bible teaches. Well, what does the Bible teach? We're all going to hell. And he saves some. We better look at that. Because people, oh, that's, that's that Calvin thing. I, uh, John Calvin, I've read him extensively. He don't have five points. <laughs> He's got a big set of commentaries. But that ain't what it is. The, the issue isn't God predetermined some for hell. It's that he saves some who were all headed for hell. 
Because the perspective is from us. And we want to think that, no, God so loved the world, He sent His only begotten Son, but He atoned for those that He reconciled to Himself through Jesus Christ. And the righteous shall live by faith. You know how you got saved in the Old Testament? Faith. Listen, it was God who made him who knew no sin. Who designed that plan? God made him. Jesus went to the cross, not because men turned on him. Now, don't get me wrong. Men did turn on him. Okay. Jesus went to the cross, not because of Satan's plan. Jesus went to the cross, not by the schemes of false religious leaders. He went to the cross because God planned it. Because it was absolutely necessary for reconciliation to take place. He came into the world to do what? His father's work. Let me give you a couple of verses real quick. We'll wrap it up. Hebrews chapter 10 verses 5 through 9. Hebrews chapter 10 verses 5 through 9 says, Therefore, when he comes into the world, he says, Sacrifice an offering you have not desired, but a body you have prepared for me. Okay, who prepared it? God did. In whole burnt offerings, he goes through that whole thing. Um, in whole burnt offerings and whatever. But, okay, go to uh, Matthew's Gospel. Chapter 26, verses 39 and following. Actually, you could probably start it in 36. Jesus came to the place called Gethsemane, said to his disciples, Sit here while I go over and pray took with him Peter and the two sons of Zebedee and began to be grieved and distressed. And he said to them, My soul is deeply grieved. Boy, there's an understatement of Scripture. To the point of death. Remain here and keep watch with me. And he went on a little beyond them. He fell on his face and he prayed, My father, if it is possible, what? Let this cup pass from me. Yet not as I will. But as you will. What cup is he talking about? Calvary. Here's the cross coming. Whose will is it? God's will. Jesus is smart enough to say, I don't want this. But you know what? Jesus already, he's the son of God. He's God incarnate. He knows there is no plan B. But let this cup pass. Does it three times. Three times. Then you go to John's Gospel, chapter 18, verse 11. So Jesus said to Peter, remember this part? They're getting ready to arrest him. Okay, Peter's going to get up and whip the whole Roman army. Okay, so Jesus says to Peter, put the sword into the sheath. The cup which the Father has given me, shall I not drink? Whose plan is it? God's plan. Jesus knows it's God's plan. That's awesome. 
All right, just in case you're not convinced yet, Acts chapter 2, verse 23. This man, Peter preaching, this man delivered over by the predetermined plan and foreknowledge of God. You nailed to the cross by the hands of godless men and put him to death. You did your evil to fulfill God's plan. Okay? He made him who knew no sin. Who did it? God did it. So, brothers and sisters, the giver of reconciliation is God, the creator of existence. And I tell you, right there, if you can get your head wrapped around that, it's going to rock your universe and you're not going to shut up because you will be begging and pleading, be reconciled to God through Christ. There is no other way. And that is some seriously good news. Let's pray. Father, thank you for your word. Thank you for your predetermined foreknowledge to reconcile us. Thank you so much, Father, that you've given us your word. You've given us your spirit. You have given us your precious bride, your church. And you have given us your presence right now and for eternity because you have reconciled your people. Thank you, Father. May we stand in awe and wonder and amazement until that day our faith becomes sight to your glory and praise. Amen.